Hello and welcome to Stories in Sports Journalism, the podcast which gathers an insight on what it takes to be a sports journalist. On today's show, we sit down with Cameron Hobbs, a host of the NFL-themed podcast, Dramash. An absolute, you know, clashing of bodies, um, often used in football in the UK for, you know, a, a goal-mouth scramble when you've got six or seven. You know, it's a Dramash in the box, and this is where that term was used. And we've, you know, I just threw that out there because I kind of thought Shamash is the perfect word to describe American football. Welcome to the episode three of Stories in Sports Journalism. I'm Jacob, your host for today's show, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Joe and Kyle. How are we today, lads? Good. Very, uh, very excited to talk to... Cameron, uh, looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, good. Good, good. Yeah, I'm good as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, episode three. Good. Making (laughs) Cameron, how are you today? Yeah, good. Uh, Looking forward to getting into a conversation as well, guys. So uh, let's get stuck in. Great, that's great to hear. Um, So to start things off, our listeners all know. uh, Just to break the ice, we have uh, a question that we've asked on our previous episodes. So, uh, Cameron, if you were, let's say, hypothetically, if you were stranded on a, a desert island, if you had three things to take with you, what three things would they be? <laughs> right, okay. Um, straight at the deep end. So what three things would I take with me? Uh, th- th- there's, I feel like there's some follow-up questions here. Do we have electricity? The, do I need to take uh, a solar power uh, panel, a generator, uh, and a laptop. We'll say there's, we'll say there's electricity <laughs> for context. So I think I'm definitely taking my computer with me because I need okay. that. Because let's be honest, without it, what is life these days? Um, personal items, though, that I'm going to take. I'm going to take a photo of my family because it's nice to be able to remember them because I'm assuming the word stranded means I'm there by myself. And then I'm going to take um, the most expensive bottle of whiskey out of my whiskey collection, and I'm going to make that last as long as I possibly can. So I can sit in the sun by myself, look at the photos, have my computer, maybe some music on in the background, sipping some whiskey. How about that? That's beautiful. I, I really like that answer. Um, I've heard Joe as well. Have you got some answers for us? Yeah, yeah. I mean, firstly, that that's probably like out of the three episodes we've done. I reckon that's the best. That, that's the best answer. By far, yeah. Yeah, that was well, well thought out, Cameron. I respect the whiskey. Um, I would say obviously a football first. Firstly, little kick around, even though I'm on my own, try and do kiki ups. Um, then obviously music. I need to be listening to, to the Beatles. <laughs> Um and stuff like that. So yeah, I'd go I'd go some sort of what like a phone for music and then I'll take a guitar because I wanna learn guitar. And I'd have yeah. loads of time to learn the guitar because I'd have no one to talk to or nothing to do. So I'd just learn the guitar. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. I prefer Cameron's, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway, we'll uh, we'll get into uh, the serious questions now. Um so I wanted to know, Cameron, um how did you and Paul come up with the idea of so I have worked in broadcasting always as a bit of a side job, I'll be honest. So up in Scotland, I worked for the Bower Group. Um, they've got radio stations throughout the UK now, I'll be honest. I don't know what they would be in the Sheffield area and what have you. But up in Scotland, you've got Forth, you've got Clyde, Tayside, 
Uh, these are kind of all the regional commercial radio stations. Uh, I had done a number of things before that. I'd done some hospital radio. I'd worked for a football team up here in Scotland, and the opportunity came up to work um, for broadcast covering football. So I covered Hearts games, Hebs games, sometimes some of the smaller teams, Wraith Rovers, uh, the teams in the Edinburgh and Fife area. I also got to cover Six Nations. So I got to go to Murrayfield and cover. Um, I was very lucky in my time there. I covered three games on the radio, and we won all three. I saw us beat Australia, Ireland and Wales and let me tell you, a Scottish rugby fan that's a hot streak, you know three wins full stops a hot streak never mind seeing them consecutively um, so really enjoyed doing all that, in my time there bumped into Paul a number of times, Paul obviously uh, I say obviously but Paul is one of the most sort of known voices when it comes to football in Scotland, you know there's not many football fans up here that won't have listened to a game with Paul Mitchell commentating on it, uh, certainly if you go back to some of the classic Scotland games you know when James McFadden scored the absolute raker in Paris when we beat France. Um, you know, it's if you're a Scottish football fan, you know that goal. And it's Paul Mitchell's voice that you will have heard over the top of that. So, you know, he he's somebody that I'd met in the broadcasting circles. Fast forward a little bit, uh, and I'd been going along to the NFL UK events that they'd been running throughout the, the country. They'd come up to Edinburgh a couple of times, and they had one at the Festival Theatre, um... In, in fact, I think it was actually the Usher Hall. So the Usher Hall's massive. Uh, and the whole place was pretty much packed. So at the time, I remember thinking, there's clearly a bigger demand for the NFL than I thought here. And at that event, Paul Mitchell was there. The reason I know is because they were calling people out of the crowd to go up and commentate over some plays. Paul put his hand up with a bunch of other people and got selected. Now, he went up on stage the NFL people have got no idea who he is. He starts speaking, introduces himself, and then there's this murmuring and muttering as everyone in the room realizes, oh, it's Paul Mitchell off the radio. Hang on a minute, he's gone up to commentate here. He's got an unfair advantage. Anyway, he ended up getting booed because that's Scotland, right? We, we don't want to see anyone succeed. Uh, he was picked out of the three people that did commentary as the best, and we all knew he knew what he was doing. Anyway, at that point, I thought, oh, Paul Mitchell's an NFL fan. I must speak to Paul about that the next time I see him. Saw him at a Hibs game. Uh, I was covering a Hibs Hearts game. Saw him there, got chatting to him, mentioned his love for NFL. He told me he was a Saints fan. Um, got in touch. You know, I had these contact details after that. Uh, and I remember there was an event in Glasgow that I'd contacted him. I'd managed to get a couple of tickets for. I asked him if he wanted to go. He said, yeah. So we arranged to meet up. And while we were there, I just turned to him and said, you know what, Paul, we should do a podcast. And he just turned around and went, that's a great idea. And literally, that's where it came from. Um, we decided at that point, what we wanted to do was try and do a podcast that was broadcast level standard. You know, we we put a real focus on the quality of the content. You know, the first couple of pods were much more scripted, much more planned in advance. There was a strict agenda. We tried to have a particular plan that we went in with. Uh, and and from the outset, we decided that we wanted to kind of do this, you know, American football, but from a Scottish point of view, because that would make us unique and different compared to everything else. It makes us niche, makes it such that we can't really grow our audience because there's going to be a certain level of, no, I wouldn't say in-joke, but reference to things that we will bring it back to in Scotland that perhaps even, you know, folks down south might not fully engage with. Certainly in America, that's going to be a challenge. Um, 
you know, we we talk about our football a lot and things like that. We will talk about St Mirren and Wraith Rovers and the context of that sometimes will come up. Um, and obviously, yeah, someone that's listening to us in Utah has probably never heard of Wraith Rovers. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where it started. Uh, and, it, and it's kind of, well, it's still going now. We are, let me think, we're five years down the line and we're still going. So people are still listening. So as long as people are listening, we'll keep doing it. That's great. Thanks, Cameron. Um, so where can you just explain to me where does the name Stramash actually come from? So we were originally called NFL Scotland. And the reason for that is that we felt we wanted to get something simplistic in the name that meant anybody knew what we were about from the offset. NFL Scotland was great. They had NFL UK. We went NFL Scotland for it does what it says on the tin, right? That we're the NFL, but we're doing it from a Scottish point of view. After a couple of years, we realized that having that name limited us in doing some things around advertising and things like that because we had nfl in the name and we're not affiliated directly with the nfl there's certain challenges there now the nfl at no point told us that we needed to stop there was nothing like that but we knew that we wanted to try and do more and more uh, and therefore we decided to change the name so that we weren't bound by our own uh title what we did is we sat down and had a conversation. So there's now six of us in the core team. Uh, and again, we've added other people to that. So we've got someone that works for Sky Sports, someone that worked for STV, and still does work for STV, one of the main news presenters there. Uh, so again, we've tried to retain that broadcast level as we've grown. But we sat down and said, we probably need to come up with a new name. And I said, something like Stramash. Now, the word Stramash is uh, very much a Scottish word. Uh, it, it's... Again, synonymous with Arthur Muntford, who is a commentator from the 70s, 80s. Um, but, you know, Archie McPherson, another man that would use this language. Um, and the word stramash, um, if you guys aren't familiar with it, or if the listeners aren't familiar with it, is a Scottish word basically used to describe uh, a brawl, uh, an absolute, you know, clashing of bodies, um, often used in football in the UK for, you know, a... Uh, a goal mouth scramble when you've got six or seven, you know, it's a stramash in the box. And this is where that term was used. And we've, you know, I just threw that out there because I kind of thought stramash is the perfect word to describe American football. It's even to the educated eye. It looks like a massive stramash, just pil players piling in on each other. So I threw that out there as a bit of a suggestion. And all the guys went, came back and went, actually, I just like stramash. And we had a look, there was nothing else called stramash as a podcast, or there was a music one that hadn't done a podcast in about six years. So we were pretty safe to go with that. And we went, do you know what? Stramash. And then we have a tagline, which is the Scottish NFL podcast. Um, and therefore we're saying, you know, we are Stramash. We are the Scottish NFL podcast. That's what we are. Yeah, I think it's a great, I think it's a great name. I love it. Um, so have you always been into NFL, like from being a kid? So I got into it when I was a kid. Um, so I'm born the 80s. Uh, and I'm trying to think. So when I was about nine, ten years old, that's when I first started noticing it on Channel 4. Back when there was only four channels, lads, a time of life you honestly didn't have to suffer through. Um, but, you know, there was only the four channels. Uh, they, they tended to show the NBA, and they showed, I think the NBA came later, but they showed the NFL. Now, the games were often on really late at night, so what that meant was, especially as a nine, ten-year-old, you had to videotape the games and then watch them when you came back from school on the Monday. At that time, the Dallas Cowboys were particularly successful. Um, so I'm thinking it's the early 90s it would have been when I'm watching this. Um, 
my sister as well at the time, 10 years older than me, had gone over to Dallas uh, and was um, basically staying with some friends over there for a couple of months. And while she was there, she picked me up some Dallas Cowboy stuff and brought it back. And that just further got me hooked. So for a couple of years when I was young, I watched it all the time and then moved to Sky. And we never had Sky in our house when I was growing up. Uh, and therefore, I never got the opportunity to stay with it. So I kind of lost. I didn't lose interest, but I just lost the ability to watch it. And therefore, you kind of move away from it. I then got back into it in 2011. And again, it was just randomly was in a pub on Christmas Eve. The games were on in the background. Uh, and I remember looking up uh, and seeing a particular play. And I'm sure it's 2011. I, I'll, you can figure out the exact moment I got back into the NFL because it was Jerome Simpson for the Cincinnati Bengals, scored a touchdown against the Cardinals where he does a standing somersault over the head of the defender and lands on his feet. And if you haven't seen the play, go look up. So Jerome Simpson, Bengals flip touchdown. Amazing. And I'm sitting in the pub. I'm the designated driver. Table full of drunk people. I'm sitting there. It's late at night. I'm going, bloody hell, I want to get out of here. Come on. Watching the telly because the conversation has descended into drunken nonsense. I'm stone cold sober. And I see this play and I just, I was like, I've got to get back into the NFL. That was amazing. Always quite liked wrestling when I was like the WWF, WWE. So there was, uh, you know, that flashy play definitely played into my my wheelhouse. Um, uh, And I saw this play in front of me and I thought, right, I need to get back into this. At that point, I had Sky uh, and thought, right, I'm going to start watching the NFL. And that's it. I've watched every single week, uh, every single Super Bowl since, uh, and have absolutely loved being back in the game. That's great. That's great. So uh, have you actually been to uh, to NFL games in America? Have you actually um, like done stuff there instead of just being on the podcast? Can you tell me some more about that? Yes. So my first, I, my first NFL game was in London. Uh, I am now, so we touched on the fact about Dallas Cowboys. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm actually a San Francisco 49ers fan. Uh, and that's funny because the two teams are rivals. So I, you know, nine-year-old me was a fool. I grew up and I realized that the, the Niners was definitely more aligned to my way of doing things. So San Francisco it is. The first game I went to was at Wembley. Saw the 49ers play the Jacksonville Jags. The 49ers were tremendous. Frank Gore scored the first touchdown that I ever saw live. Frank Gore was was and is the favorite player I've had. Uh, you know, small running back. Uh, I, I like to tell myself that if I had any capability, you know, I was five foot eight, always had a low center of gravity. Um, felt like, you know, I could have maybe have been a running back. I couldn't have. I was utterly useless at everything. But, you know, we can, we can rewrite history as much as we want. So I would have been a running back. So Frank Gore, for me, was a, a great player. Um, from there, I got the opportunity to go to my first game in America at MetLife Stadium. So I was over in America for Christmas. Me and my wife decided, right, we're going to do New York, and we're going to do it Christmas Day in New York. So we went over. Uh, the Patriots were playing the Jets at MetLife. So I managed to get tickets way up high in the cheap seats, but we went nonetheless. Uh, and it was absolutely freezing. I saw Tom Brady play against Geno Smith, where Geno Smith was being booed by his own fans. Uh, the Patriots won, but only just. It was absolutely freezing, but what a great experience. Uh, I've subsequently been to other games as well. I uh, was lucky enough to go to Bears-Packers week one of the 2015 season. Um, that was an expensive ticket because that's obviously a big game in Chicago. The Packers won that one. Uh, and interesting, completely opposite, roasting hot, uh, very drunken. They, I got 
there was an argument and uh, a bit of a scuffle next to me between a Bears fan and a Packers fan. Packers fan told me that I should go back to Scotland, which I was like, well, at least you knew I was a Scottish accent. So I'll give him credit for that. Um, And then from there, I have been to New Orleans. Uh, So I got to see the New Orleans Saints versus the Philadelphia Eagles. That was amazing. The stadium there is absolutely tremendous. Um, I went there because it was Paul, my co-host. It was his 50th birthday in 2018. So we went over to New Orleans. Uh, His wife works in a school, couldn't get the time off. Uh, So I said, well, if you need someone to go to New Orleans, I'll put my hand up and volunteer. I'll take the hit. So the two of us went. uh, We actually got to go to LSU as well, which was absolutely amazing. We saw LSU that had Joe Burrow at quarterback, that had Justin Jefferson, that had Jamar Chase. Uh, They were all playing for college. So we saw a really great LSU team. Got to see the Saints. uh, And since then, I'm just trying to think what else have I done. I've been to the Giants twice. Uh, so I know Jamie Gillen, the punter that's there. Uh, we've obviously built a relationship with him through the podcast, but stayed in touch. He's been very generous uh, and managed to sort me out with tickets uh, for two games last season because I was over for work. Um, so I got to see them play the Cowboys. I got to see them play Washington as well. So I've been to the MetLife a couple of times. Uh, we'd like to get to more. Definitely on the agenda. That's great. It's a good good contact to have them, uh, that player. <laughs> very good contact. Um, Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, so would you say there's like a, a big fan base then in Scotland? Of NFL, absolutely. I think it's growing all the time as well. So we go back to NFL Europe. Uh, you had the Scottish Claymores, you had the London Monarchs, uh, and the NFL tried to do something that was a little bit of a spring league with the sort of players that were coming out of the draft that perhaps needed a bit more experience some older veterans and mix in a couple of local fan, uh, players as well, sorry. And and that was great. You know, I, I went to those games when I was in my teens. Uh, my cousin used to take me. So that was the only NFL I was getting at that point. Um, I, and it was brilliant. You know, the, unfortunately, it didn't really have a massive number. I think that the Claymores were playing in front of low five figures, you know, your 12,000, which in Murrayfield, which is like a you know, almost a 70,000-seater stadium, 12,000 people, and that makes it feel more empty than it is, which is a bit of a shame. The Claymores then won the World Bowl in 96. There was 45,000 people at Murrayfield for that one, which is amazing. And that shows, you know, there, there's your demand, right? Um, unfortunately, it didn't really continue, and the league kind of dwindled out. I think that, unfortunately, the league suffered a little bit. I think if the NFL Europe was around now, it would have benefited greatly from the the just the level of access that you can get, the social media side of things, I think would have helped encourage more people to go along. But the American football is a really difficult sport to get into from a, an uninformed start. You know, it's a complex game. And again, there's times where I'm sitting watching the plays, I have no idea exactly what's going on. And I've been watching this for years now. So at the beginning, I think it could be a really challenging sport for people to learn. However, I think the coverage that we've now got, Red Zone in particular, NFL UK and the games that we've got down south has galvanised the support for the game uh, once more across the UK. And I think in Scotland, we're seeing more and more people engage. Uh, Certainly, you know, when I go down to London now, I see all the people that we follow on Twitter, the people follow us, and they're all down there, which is fantastic. So, you know, people are going en masse. People are going to Germany. People do go over. We see loads of people going over to America. Um, And I'm not talking... Tens are here. We're talking hundreds of people are doing this. So 
it's not just that it's growing, it's that the fan base is massively passionate and the fan base is willing to invest to attend these events as well. So it's a really engaged audience. Um, it's still a niche sport. And I think that, you know, our podcast, for example, will we've reached a point now where we're, our numbers are have been kind of static for the last couple of years. We're not shrinking, which is a good thing. But, you know, growth-wise, we maybe add a, a little bit, but... Uh, word of mouth's a hard thing. You obviously reach a point where you're getting your your input. Um, and what we're trying to do is in, as part of the pod is we're trying to put in events where people can come along if they want to try and learn more about the game and, and sit with people in a pub and watch it together. Uh, you know, we want to try and grow the game further because I feel the biggest difference that we've got and why this is, you know, why it's a popular sport is one, it's a sport that's very different. Uh, it's a uh, it's a sport that people really enjoy the intricacies of the strategic element of it. It's based, you know, the sporting element of it's got all its reasons. But I also think it's a sport that you can engage with fans of other teams, regardless of who you support. And when it comes to sport in the UK, let's take our football for example. You're not going to get Rangers and Celtic fans sitting together having a good old chat, watching the game in a pub together. You will be able to get some that will do that, but the vast majority will not, and they'll watch it together. It's a bit more tribal. American football hasn't reached that stage yet. And therefore you can fill a pub full of people and have a great atmosphere. And you can see all kinds of tops and you can see people and their team's not even playing, but they're there because they want to see the action. They're not necessarily interested in just following their team. And therefore there's a bit of a community feel to the fan base rather than it just being that tribal side that we get in our own sport. That's great. Um, Kyle, Joe, have you got any questions for Cameron yet? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, just for me, well, for us three in, in here, do you have like any tips for us in how we can get interested? Because the NFL has always interested me and, you know, I've always wanted to try and get into it, but I'm not really like sure where to start because like, I have an American friend called Seth and he says, you know, if you're not grow if you, if you don't like, if you don't grow up with the sport, it's kind of hard to understand and, you know, follow along. So any tips? Yeah, it, and I agree. It is hard. It's hard to get into it. You you almost need to commit to yourself that you're going to sit down and watch it beyond just the Super Bowl, you know, and almost say, I'm going to make a point of watching a couple of games here till, so I can kind of get back into this. The I would say to anybody, starting with the Super Bowl is good because you do tend to find that the coverage knows, in the UK in particular, the coverage knows that there's going to be some more newbies and they do... I don't want to say dumb it down because it sounds patronizing, but they do simplify what's happening in front of you. And it's funny, it's it's a bit of a challenge for the broadcasters in in the UK because you get the ex the people that know the game and they hate that because they're like, don't talk to me like I'm a moron. I know this game. But we got to understand that there's a whole bunch of people watching the Super Bowl when they don't typically watch. So I think start there for sure. NFL UK have some really good stuff on YouTube. Uh, American Football 101. And actually, it's a, there's a little five-minute animated bit that they do that just explains the rules. The other thing that I would say to do is try and find somebody um, who knows the game uh, that's willing to go to the pub with you and kind of explain to you what's going on. And nothing better than having that in the moment. You can turn to someone and say, what just happened there? What was that all about? Um, uh, that's great. And for me, Part of you know doing this uh, podcast has been that I have grown the number of people that I can reach out to even now. And again, I've been watching it for years and there's still things I'm like, what on earth happened there? Now I can talk about it a little bit more and be the person that can give my input. But it's a journey to go on and I think it's one that's to be shared. And I think it's a real benefit to have someone in the room that knows what they're doing. The other way to watch it as well, if you're kind of watching the game 
And if the reason you get put off American football is there's too many stops, there's too much break, which I fully get, then red zone. Uh, red zone is typically the uh, it's typically on Sky Sports Mix, which is one of the free Sky Sports channels. So if you're sitting in the house, and you don't even have Sky Sports, you should be able to watch Red Zone on a Sunday at six o'clock. So it's Scott Hansen, and basically what they're doing there is they're going round the grounds, round the grounds. It's like Soccer Saturday, but instead of us on the TV watching someone else watching the game and then relaying what they see, they're actually going around the games and showing you the action. And they show you the touchdowns just after they've happened. And what you're getting there is you're getting the flashy plays, you're seeing things pan out, and you're getting the non-stop action element of American football that allows you to see the things that you like. Um, and, and that will definitely help you uh, once you understand what the capabilities are and what you know, the great plays that can be had, it makes it a bit easier to watch that game with a disruption because you're then watching that for the anticipation of some big great play to happen. Um, a different way of watching it, but um, yeah, I highly recommend all those things. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'll definitely be checking some of those uh, things out. Another question for you is, uh, we're going back to your podcast, uh, what ways have you been able to monetize it? So we we don't do it for money. Now, that doesn't mean we don't monetize because what we do is we any money that we make, we put back into the podcast. So we the podcast itself, we've never gone down the Patreon side of things. We've spoken about it, something that we might do. What we have definitely built, and again, we've been running for five years now, what we've definitely built is there's a core, really highly engaged audience uh, as part of our podcast. Um. For me, I've always had the viewpoint that what we're producing content-wise, I want to make available to everybody. I don't want to make it that you got paid to get this or anything like that. What we're looking at, though, is do we do something different where we actually get people more involved? However, we've not done that yet. What we have done is we've done live podcast events. So for week one of the season, every season, since we started the podcast, we've gone to the same pub in Edinburgh. And I say every season, there was one season we didn't because of COVID. Um, I'll come back to that. But um, what we've always done is done this live event. Now, the pub can hold about 120 people. What we do with that is we thought about making the tickets free. But the problem with doing free tickets for any event is people will take them even if they're not really that interested in coming because they'll have the ticket and they'll go, oh, it's free, I'll not bother. So what we were worried about there was getting this pub and you know this pub had committed to giving us the whole space shut the whole pub kick people out to let us have it so we're like we've got to make sure we fill this um so we put at first a three pound ticket price on there all the money that we got back in from that now you can imagine 100 tickets we sold over 100 so it's over 300 quid all of that money was used to buy prizes to give away so as the money came in we were buying prizes up and what we did is we built up a, a big stock of stuff uh, it used to be that Sainsbury's were selling T-shirts and stuff like that. So we were able to get those. They weren't too expensive. And we got a wide range. And what we do at our live events is we give them away. Um, every live event we do, we charge a small amount. And again, everything that we make comes in. We do a raffle in the night as well. All the money that comes in is then used to buy more stuff that we can give away to continue to grow and make these things engaging. Um, we now do £5 for a ticket. Uh, again, we were just finding even at three pound, there was a, quite a few people that just wouldn't show up. At five pound, that shows in ten. Uh, and the last event that we did for week one last year, um, you know, it, the first time we did it, we sold out, but it took us like four weeks to sell out. When we did it this year, we sold out in three days. Uh, and again, that just shows you that the people that have built this up, they know what's happening. People jump on it right away, which is great. This year, this year is a bit of a challenge because we've had a look at week one. 
And week one is also when Scotland are playing in the Rugby World Cup. So we're going to have to rethink things this year. We're we'll going to have to maybe do it later in the year, but because we know a lot of the people that like rugby also like American football, and we don't want to have people missing rugby. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't want to miss the rugby. So week one is the Scotland-South Africa game. Now, we're going to get pumped. Of course we are. I still want to watch it. So we'll re- maybe move that to later in the year. We've also been lucky enough where we've had people get involved with sponsorship. And I think that's something that you can do with the podcast as well. If you've got listenership, you can start to reach out to people uh, and 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 ask if they would like to get involved. So again, we don't do anything for money. I don't take money sponsorship. What I do um, is I've got companies to put up prizes for us and we give away prizes to people. So that's something that we've been very focused on. We had ball bags who do underwear. We had them for a season. Uh, we've worked with Bonnie Sauce Company that do hot sauces and things like that. And we've got a big deal with Loch Lomond Whiskey, which is fantastic. Guy there is a big Eagles fan. He reached out to us. They gave us, year one, they gave us 60 bottles of whiskey that they branded with our podcast. Again, we had NFL Scotland at that point. Year two, we are selling these bottles as well as giving them away. And therefore, that's why part of the reason that we had to change the name. Um, but still, even though we're selling them, the focus is on giving these away. Um, you know, again, not for profit. It's not what we're about. But it's great to have a company like Local Mid Whiskey on board. And it gives us a great prize that we can give to our listeners. Yeah, okay. Thank you. I was going to say, so, so like, oh, go on, Joe. Have you got a question? Yeah, I was just going to, like, move the conversation on to a different sort of angle of, like, actual podcast. And like, I think there's... I always refer to like the statistic where I think it's ninety nine percent of podcasts don't make it past episode three, and obviously like podcasting industry, like everyone and their dog seems to be to be making a podcast. What would you sort of say to someone who has maybe got an idea, but then they're dwindling, they're sitting on the fence, thinking, "Oh, like no one's going to listen." But like, what would your like you know advice be to that person? So I think you've hit the nail on the head with the first thing you said, which is a lot of them don't make it past episode three. And it's because people have got a great idea for one podcast. And then they go, oh, that was really good. What do we do in podcast two? And by podcast three, we're kind of going, oh, God. And therefore, the idea's already run out of steam. You need to keep whatever you're doing simple. Your goal needs to be a simplistic one. Find something that you want to talk about, something that you care about. That needs to be something that you can put your energy into because that energy will come across. Um, I I mean this not to be critical of anybody, but I've listened to other podcasts, other American football podcasts done by people in the UK. And some of the people sound bored as soon as they're starting. And they're talking about things in the same way that I'll be perfectly honest, if you're just going to analyze the games, I would rather hear about that from an analyst that does that for a living who's also doing the content for free. So, you know, you got to make yourself different. you got to have a reason for people to engage. Now, if, you, if you're happy, it's to podcast just for a few of your mates. And if you get some random listeners, great. Absolutely brilliant. And I'd say do it because it's a great experience. If you want something that's going to be a bit more mass market, something that's got a bit more longevity around it, come up with something that's actually going to engage people uh, and draw them in, even if they don't know you. But make sure that you're going to come across in a way that you're talking about something from a particular point of view that's different to the norm, the mass market stuff. Um, Unless you can find something mass market that nobody else is doing. That's harder now because you're right. Everyone's doing a podcast. I'm actually, you know, I've worked on other ideas for podcasts. I've got another one in the back of my head that I'm working on at the moment. I've got a meeting about that later this week. Uh, I'm going to try and do something because I think I've found a little space to do something that I don't think anyone else is doing. Um, But the other thing to that is 
for that other podcast, you need to plan your first 10 episodes. If you've got a plan for your first 10 and you commit to doing those first 10, then you can kind of ride through it. And what you'll probably find and what we found is we had an initial massive um, input for our first episode, which was great. And then we took a drop at episode two and we took a further drop at episode three and then it started coming back up again. Um, Because what naturally happens is people after three episodes go, you need to start listening. This is actually really good. I've listened to three, yada, yada, yada. You need to have faith that those numbers, while they may not be what you want up front, will come if you're producing something that's good. You'll produce something that's good if you make sure that you're coming across passionately and you've got a plan that you can stick to. You can, you know, we're five years in, we can kind of get away a little bit with being off the cuff because we've built a relationship within the team that actually we can just sit and argue for an hour. And sometimes the best feedback we get are when it's gone completely off rails. I, the most recent episode I had, actually, that's not true. The most recent one was planned and we sucked it. The one before that, I came in with a plan and the guys just took me off rails and it was just descended into an argument. But actually, we got loads of feedback on that with people saying, great episode back to a classic because people actually really enjoy listening to us argue which i don't understand i'll be perfectly honest just ill-informed pish anyway you might have to bleep that one out um but you know i think that's the core thing uh so have a plan make sure it's something that you care about and and just go for it just go for it because what have you got to lose absolutely nothing yeah yeah absolutely. so i want to know um I've just said, you've just been talking about guests. Have you got in mind someone who has been the best on your podcast, the best guest? So the best guest, I I have, I have a favorite guest and this is not to discredit of any other guests because we've been very lucky to talk to people. Um, One of the things that we've done is that we've tried to get guests that other people don't get because that's the other thing you know if if you're doing a podcast like and there's about 10 other podcasts doing the same thing what you'll sometimes find is there'll be someone who's doing the rounds at that point there'll be someone who's like i'm going to try and go on as many podcasts as possible and what you'll do is you'll do an interview with someone that's the same as every other interview because that person's doing it 10 times meaning that if you've got a listener that listens to a few of these they're not going to listen because they've heard that interview already so we've always tried to get people that are not the obvious people to get on now we've got the scottish thing so we've got players that have played uh in the nfl that are scottish and that's great right those are a given they're kind of niche to us uh and it's brilliant you know they can go on other podcasts that's fine but we will always bring it back to scotland and scottishness and therefore it's fine my absolute favorite we had a broadcaster called kevin harlan now kevin harlan is one of the biggest voices in america as well he's been doing it for a very long time we reached out to him i've never heard him do another podcast uh, we reached out and said hey we're a couple of broadcasters in scotland we'd love to speak to you um he was very kind to come on our podcast. It took a couple of months to, we had to wait for him. We're more than happy to wait. He's been on twice. Um, you know, we sent him a bottle of whiskey after he came the first one. When he was in London, he invited us to meet him for a pint. Unfortunately, neither me or Paul were in London for that one. But, you know, absolutely brilliant. We've built a relationship with Kevin now and we'll hopefully get him on again this year. Hearing how he does it from his commentary point of view in the American industry, fascinating you know, genuinely an hour-long conversation that I would say to anybody, go listen to it, because it's just really interesting to hear what's going on behind the scenes. Um, so one of the questions I had, so we, we talked about the uh, the best guest you've ever had. Have you had any uh, bad experiences with guests or...? <laughs> um, bad experiences with guests. I think we've had some guests that are perhaps not particularly well-versed in 
you know, the sort of communication level needed for a podcast. So there's definitely some people we've spoken to where you would ask a question and you would get a, a one or two line response. Now, I'm the opposite to that. And anyone listening to this will have established that I like to prattle on a little bit. Um, but to be honest, sometimes that's what you want out of a guest. You want someone that you can ask a simple question to and let them kind of give an answer that's that's hopefully worth hearing. Um, so I think that the challenge has been that more than anything else. With podcasting as well, you need to be flexible because people have lives. People that you want on your podcast usually have other people asking them to be on podcasts as well. And therefore, you kind of have to be open to working around them to make sure that you can find time. For us, a lot of the people are in the States. Uh, and therefore, the challenge there is making sure that I'm willing to set up a bit later, uh, if possible, to make sure that we can get someone. And if that's what's if that's what we need to do, that's what we need to do. Um, you know, there's certainly anyone on the West Coast of America, it's much more of a challenge to get them on the podcast. Uh, one of the challenges that we find as well is actually trying to get contact details for people that you want to get. It's always a hard thing as well. Um, and again, you need to be sympathetic to the fact that if you're emailing, especially an un unsolicited one there will be other people asking that person to go on podcasts as well so they'll be getting loads of it you kind of got to go with the the punches with that one so i don't think anything bad uh no bad guests just guests that perhaps are a little bit shorter in their answer meaning that your interview that you think is going to take half an hour takes about four or five minutes and that could be a little bit interesting trying to pad it out um but more sometimes and one of the things that we've never done is we've never advertised a guest is going to be on until that guest has actually come on because stuff happens and people cancel. We've had live events where we've had people cancel on us that were guests. So that's a bit more unfortunate um, because you do have to advertise that those people are coming uh, and it's, it's frustrating. So certainly when you're in control of it, uh, and then it's another pointer I would give to people from a podcast point of view is wait till you've got it in the can and that it's okay and that it works and that the audio is not screwed up before you go and shout about the fact that you've got that person. Thank you. Uh, Joe, did, did you have another question? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a bit of a, like a, a different question. Um, you might not have never really been asked it, but I wanted to sort of ask about like the, the Scottish voice. Like It's a bit random, but I look at like the likes of Obviously, Sir Alex Ferguson, even got before that, Bill Shankly. So there's quite a lot of, you know, Scottish icons. And I just want your opinion, obviously, in podcasting, it involves, like, talking. And do you think that the Scottish voice, like, the, the strongness of it, like, almost like the harshness, it's sort of like, it, once a Scottish person's talking, it sort of, you know, people sort of want to listen. People think, you know, do, do you reckon there's something to that? Or, or not really? Um, I think that... Voice is massively important. Like your accent does matter a lot. And I think that what you tend to find from Scottish voices, now Sir Alex Ferguson had obviously a little bit of a nasally lisp to him, but, you know, he spoke well. And I think he commanded the audience because of his uh, capabilities rather than necessarily his voice. Um, when it comes to commentary and things like that, I think that you see Scottish people doing well Um but it's because they're able to soften the Scottishness of their accent. And I think that that's something that we all have uh, as a little bit of a challenge, right? If you want to do something, and again, it depends on your market, right? If you are, you know, if you're from the West Country, let's take the West, because none of you lads are from the West Country, right? So uh, you got a, a Bristol accent, right? And it's really thick. 
then there's going to be some people in other parts of the country are going to struggle to follow what you're saying. The same is true of Scotland, right? Aberdeen. Now, I'm an Aberdeen supporter. I'm not from Aberdeen, but I've spent a lot of time up there. There's an Aberdeen accent that is very thick and very difficult to follow, even as a Scotsman. Now, if that person's speaking, it's difficult for them from a broadcasting point of view to be, you know, to be enjoyed by the masses because they are speaking in such a way that they're eliminating some people from ever enjoying hearing that person talk. Uh, but I think if you're, and if I've got your question right, you're asking about the, the Scottish accent and things like that. Um, I think it's the softer side of it. Like if you get someone that's really broad, and actually it, it kind of goes against the grain because if you watch Sky Sports right now, some of the people that they have on there have got really broad Scottish accents. They even, I'm like, good. God, this is like we've got players on there that are there because they're former players, because there's no way they'd ever make it there just on their voice alone. Um, because they're terrible. And and it's funny, like with the the people that I work with, you know, we'll all pass judgment and we'll all say, Oh my god, why is this person still, you know, doing this work? Because they're utterly terrible. And it's because they've had a long playing career and they've played at Rangers or Celtic, which is basically how you get a job in Sky Sports, uh, if you want to talk about Scottish football. Um but I think, you know, if you look at other industries and stuff like that, there's a lot of Scottish people. Like, So let's take people like Karen Gillan, who is obviously a massive actress. Inverness has an Inverness accent. When you hear her speak, um, she's got quite a broad Inverness accent, but you never pick up on that in films or anything like that because um, she's able to diffuse it. And therefore, there's a lovely bouncy element to her Scottish accent. And I think the English equivalent of that is Jodie uh, Comer who uh, is Liverpoolian and as scouse as you want to get, but she doesn't speak in that accent. Um, she totally diffuses it. And she could do hundreds of them, uh, but she doesn't use the scouse one. And then you hear her speak normally and you're like, oh my God, where did that come from? Um, so, you know, it's all about being able to soften the voice and, and find that sort of neutrality to it uh, that makes it hopefully a voice that people want to listen to. Have you ever had the, like someone not understand you or are you like, are you on the, are you on the lesser sort of, Obviously, I can understand you perfectly. Like, I think I'm fortunate in the the way that I speak and the accent that I have is quite, yeah. It's it's clearly a Scottish accent I have, but I don't think it's one that's particularly. I'm not very quickly spoken or anything like that. And and I work with a lot of Americans, so I work for an American company. Uh, There's people (laughs) in my team that are from Glasgow, and there's people that are from Edinburgh in my team. And I have been told by many that they struggle with the Glaswegians, but they don't really struggle with the folk from Edinburgh. So um, we'll not get into the whole Edinburgh versus Glasgow debate here. It's just that we speak better is what that is, right? Um, I've been fortunate that so far I've not had many people say that they don't understand me, but I think that's because I'm loud and I speak slowly and my accent isn't too thick. Um, But I'm sure there's definitely people out there that will struggle. it's it's something that you know only once in my life have I ever had it used against me, where I did uh, put myself forward to do an advert for a company, uh, and was told that I was too local to be used uh, for a UK wide. They they didn't they wanted a London accent basically, um, and even the Scottishness in my accent was too much. So that's the only time I've ever had it been used against me as such. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, thank you. Uh, I wanted to know, um, have you got any last advice to like young aspiring journalists, like making their way up um, for us, example? So I, the biggest advice I think I can give to people, because I, 
and I was chatting about this uh, to people earlier on. When I was young, uh, I used to get people say to me things like, you know, you've got a good voice, you should do something with that. And I never, I was always like, I would love to do something with it, but I have no idea how, how do you even start? Uh, and again, pre-social media time, there wasn't really people that you could reach out to and ask. So I never had an avenue to to kind of go down. So the the biggest piece of advice I would say is, you, this makes me sound like such an old person, but the generation of today um, has got so many avenues. I would say utilize them. Make sure that you are, a pleasant person to deal with and those doors will be much more open than anything else um you know reach out and inquire seek opportunity to engage uh and and really chase opportunities even if it's sometimes it might be something that isn't absolutely number one on your list of things to do because through building a network of people that are in the industry will help you when you need to get other opportunities further down the line and that for me is probably the biggest thing that networking side of things massively important take the opportunities uh there's a lot of people out there and it's uh, uh, the split opinion on this one there's a lot of people out there sort of hate the fact that there's football clubs out there that ask for volunteers to come in and do comms roles for them because sometimes it is kind of taking the mech a bit because they're asking you to do an awful lot and get nothing in it return i certainly found that doing some of that voluntary work for me uh, got me the opportunities that then came. That got me the opportunities to write in the press up here in Edinburgh, you know, because I was doing, I was working for Spartans, I was writing content for them. So I was able to say to the Evening News, which is the Edinburgh Evening News, hey, I'm at the game, would you like some content? And I proactively reached out to them and said, would you like me to write an article on the game? And they went, yes, absolutely. Uh, and we'll pay you this for it. Now, it wasn't very much, but it was a foot in the door. And then my name's in the paper because it was a match report. And the first one I ever did was Spartans 3, Kelso nil, Cameron Hobbs written underneath it. And I think it was a 200 word article but what a buzz for me you know and my background my degree that I did wasn't journalism so nothing to do with it I just got there through the sort of work that I was willing to do and again through that you reach out to people you build networks you show yourself willing that'll create loads of opportunities I think the other thing as well is make sure that what you're doing is ultimately in this sort of sphere of what you want to do don't spread yourself too thin don't spread yourself to the point where you commit to things that you can't keep up with. Um, because that, again, it leans back into being a good person to deal with means that you're reliable as well. And I think that making sure that you're pushing yourself to take stuff on, but not over committing yourself to the point where you're letting things fall down. Because again, your reputation then is going to be like, oh, this guy's just wasting his time. He asked for this opportunity. I gave him it and he didn't do it. And it's not through ill intent on anyone's part. It's just actually you've you put so many feelers out there at once, they all come back and suddenly you're going, ah, crap, I can't do all this. Uh, and then there's there's a bunch of bridges that have been burnt before you've even got to them. So I think, you know, it's tough. It's very difficult to manage that. Uh, and I think the last one is don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid or shy to reach out to someone that you think is really good at what they do and ask them if they've got time. Again, what have you got to lose? Nothing. That person will say, really sorry, I just don't have time for it. And that's fine. Do you know what? Some people, that will be a very genuine thing where they don't have time. Some people just don't like engaging with that kind of stuff. Um, and you'll learn from that and you'll understand. And in the future, you'll go through that journey. And 20 years from now, when someone's reaching out to you guys to say, hey, would you come on my podcast? I'm a student. You'll go, absolutely. Because I remember I was there once uh, and people were willing to do it for me. So all plans itself out thanks Cameron I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today it's been great having you on 
Thank you for um, having me. I hope that content's been useful for it's, you. <laughs> it's been so good, thank you, and I'm sure our listeners will agree with us. Um, so yeah, make sure um, for the listeners go and follow uh, Cameron on all of his socials. Go and follow him on Twitter at Cameron Hobbs, and as well follow the uh, the Stramash podcast if you're interested uh, at Scotland NFL. Um, yeah, go and give it a follow. Um, Kyle, Joe, what did you think of the podcast today? Did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, it was great. I have just one final question though. Um, where can we listen to your podcast? Like on, like for example, Spotify or anything like that. Yep, Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Podbean. You can go to the NFL Scott, so www.nflscotland.com, and there's a link to it on the website. Spotify is probably the best and easiest place to do it. We should be on most of uh, the places where you listen to your podcasts. If there's one that you try and find us on and we're not on it, let me know because I'll try and get us added. Um, and that's part of it. There's so many bloody channels out there. I'm trying to make sure that you're on them all. It's half the battle. Um, but yeah, certainly Spotify, best place to go listen. Okay. Thanks, Cameron. It's been great. Thank you, guys. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening. And goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.